and here to chat a little bit about uh, right-to-work legislation. Patrick, welcome. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Gary? I'm disappointed because I see all these uh, uh, anti-right-to-work ads. I don't see any ads for the other side. Nobody is telling the truth about right-to-work. Well, you know, I mean, I, I can't speak for anybody who would spend ad, ad money or ad, advocate for the, the legislation or the referendum in this case. Uh, we aren't a part of any of that. Uh, but we have talked about right to work in the past. And uh, it is, I think, important to have pretty clear facts. And I think that you're exactly right that the advertisements that I've seen uh, don't really represent uh, a really clear recitation of what the truth is about uh, what has been seen across the country. First of all, most of the country, most states, are right-to-work states. And in fact, in our region, Missouri is the only not right-to-work state, with the exception of Illinois, uh, of, of any of the states that border us. Uh, so it, it is a, a really interesting topic, and it's an important topic because from a, a development perspective, economic development, um, we're at a real disadvantage compared to other states. And, and for your listeners, I'm sure they already know this, but right-to-work basically says that uh, a union can't stand between you and a job. You can't be forced to join a union as a precondition to getting a particular job. And I think that you can have a really uh, great discussion and debate about the policy side of this. Um, and, and it is true that government unions are different than private unions. Um, but I do think that y you need to have really clear facts uh, before you can really make a decision about it. And, and as far as what's been stated publicly and, and advertised so far, it really has, I think, been lopsided. And it hasn't really necessarily generated the kind of very clear recitation of facts that if you want to make a really informed decision about a certain policy that they really, you really have to have ahead of time. Patrick, I, did a, I dedicated the entire first hour of Tuesday's program to debating this issue with anybody who disagreed with me. Uh, and I will go through some of the arguments that I've heard and that I exposed, but I'll get your view on this. Uh, there is an argument that uh, right-to-work states, people are being paid thousands of dollars a year less and so they're losing money. Yeah, so I know that there's at least one advertisement that talks about it. They talk about uh, basically the difference between uh, right-to-work states and I think a national average. One thing it doesn't uh, integrate into it is, of course, cost of living differences. Um, but, but even so, um, there is no reason to believe and there is no real evidence that uh, what the numbers that are being put out there actually are related to uh, a right-to-work law being implemented. So, for instance, I think there was one ad that talked about Oklahoma uh, losing jobs and, I think, losing pay. And, and what they it, it, the stats really don't back it up, for one, but to the extent that you could point to anything, uh, Oklahoma, I think, passed their right-to-work law in 2001, <laughs> and then something else happened in 2001, a recession. And if you look at Oklahoma then versus Oklahoma today, there are more people employed in Oklahoma today than there were in 2001. So I, I think that, you know, you can have a discussion about the impact on specific industries or even in specific professions about, you know, what right to work may, may have in store. Um, and there is evidence on both sides uh, saying that it, you know, pushes the wages up or down. Um, so that's a worthwhile debate to have. But I, you know, unfortunately, as presented, I don't think the, the, the information has been very good, and it completely neglects the fact that right to work, as we've seen nationwide, it actually increases GDP, increases employment. Like I said, there's evidence on both sides on the wage question. Yeah, and it, just because uh, two events happen at, at a similar time in a in a in a, in a particular incident, 
uh, or state doesn't mean it's causation. Uh, other things go on. Uh, you're, you're exactly right. And the other part, too, and I think this needs to be clear, even for, for folks who support right to work, right to work isn't itself some sort of cure-all. I mean, there, is, there are other things that companies look at, including workforce development or infrastructure. Like, there are other things, or tax policy. There are other things that go into, uh, you know, the, the kettle when those decisions are being made. But for, particularly for industries like uh, car manufacturing uh, or industries like construction, right to work does affect decisions. And it affects decisions about whether companies are going to move to a state or whether they're going to expand in a state. Because, you know, like I said, Missouri is bordered almost exclusively by right-to-work states. If you want to get into the Midwest, you have lots of options if you want a state that's right-to-work. And Missouri is just at a real disadvantage for companies that prioritize that very highly. Just turned on the radio. Patrick Ishmael from the Show Me Institute is with us. We're talking about right-to-work legislation. Uh, And then there's the argument that the unions have a bunch of freeloaders. that They're being represented even though they're not paying union dues. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I would say essentially the same thing uh, about the private space as I would in the government space, where um, there are folks who may not feel like they're being represented by the contracts that are being negotiated. If I'm in in the government space, if I'm a teacher and I think that I uh, deserve merit pay, that I'm a great teacher, the union can say, well, you're not paying us, but we have to represent you anyway. But the union is also probably pursuing a, a CBA that doesn't benefit merit pay, doesn't benefit the folks uh, who could receive money in more, a more market situation if they were able to negotiate directly. Um, and so this kind of free rider question, uh, I think it goes both ways. I mean, if you're a union and you have the choice between representing 100 paying members or 100 paying members plus 900 people who don't want your representation, but you get to use their labor anyway, um, I would probably say that a union in that context is freeloading off of the folks who don't want to be a part of it. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think that it's an important debate and discussion to have. Um, but the idea that uh, unions would... Uh, rather not represent these non-paying workers i <laughs> from from my discussions and, and you know when i've talked to people about this union and non-union it sounds like a lot of unions would rather just you know be required to represent all these additional people because it actually gives them leverage and so you know it's it's fine you can call folks who don't want your repre- representation freeloaders but i think that you know kind of epithet uh, applies to unions in that context as well and unions are only required to represent all the workers if they use the federal law that gives them exclusive bargaining representation. So, you know, they don't have to do that, and then they don't have to represent everybody. I, th- I think it's the, the federal element of it is a really important one here, and I think that the, the freedom to associate, I mean, if, if unions don't want to represent non-members, I, I think that's their prerogative. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I would hope that they would advocate for changes that allow them to do that so they can associate with who they want to, just like non-members may want to not associate with a union. Um, but, they, you know, as far as the policy of right to work is concerned itself, you know, my focus is uh, the association part is important. I think it's a little bit different than in the government context because everyone pays into government, obviously. And so um, being <laughs> forced to uh, be a member of a private organization as a precondition to being employed by a government that you help fund that's a little bit of a different circumstance. But I think the economic component of it, when you're talking about right to work, it is a really important element that 
you know, the, the truth really needs to be put out there. I think that to the extent that we can find some agreement on both sides about uh, what the facts are about employment and, and all the rest, I think that's important, but I agree with you. I think that a, a lot of the advertisements that have been out there so far, they're not really balanced, and I, and I would hope that uh, folks will take, at least from this conversation, that there is you can talk about this in a balanced way, uh, and, and I think folks will make their own decisions about it. Patrick Ishmael, Show Me Institute, thank you for being with us.